Hi, this is Christopher Lang, and you're listening to Gaming and BS, episode 272, Time Travel. Alrighty then. It is not episode 272, as Mr. Christopher Lang put it. It is episode 201, coming to you Wednesday, July 25th, 2018. Brett, how are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. It was a long, long weekend of gaming and fishing. I went fishing, Sean. I haven't gone fishing in forever. Didn't catch anything. Drowned some minnows. That was okay. But it was fun. Went fishing and uh, played D&D 5e, Temple of Elemental Evil, and uh, then Star Wars. And as I was saying off the mics, my new Star Wars GM, yeah, he lets my pilot stay in the ship, and it's still fun. <laughs> no, that, he's, he's, he's just a lot more tolerant. I'm going to say that. Yeah, that game master hasn't learned yet. It's early yet. Yeah, it is. It is. Like, I did, when, I, when we talked, you know, it was like, yeah, okay, I'm good. And then you showed up, and everything was fine. And then I went, all oh, hell broke loose. I did, t- I did use the ship, ship's guns to shoot people on the ground. That made me happy, too. You did. Oh, of course I did. When the ship was landed. No, no, I was. That was I the was beef striking. I had. Let's get this straight now, Brett. <laughs> when I had a beef with Brett, it was when the ship was landed, and I don't even know if it was powered up. But Brett wanted yeah, to yeah, shoot people, up. people was... on the ground from the ship as it was stationary on the ground, not flying around, wanting to blast people off the ground while as it flew around. It's like a tank. A tank loses its tread as a pillbox, right? <sighs> hey, Bre- hey, game masters out there, Brett is available for your Star Wars play <laughs> whenever you want. If you if you like a headache, come on over. He's great. All right, let's get into announcements. Let's see. Game Ocon submissions open. Sean. I heard a rumor via Twitter that you actually put in your forget about a game. I will, for, it- I will, I will uh, confirm that rumor. So awesome. maybe it was a tact, tactful, tactful, tactile, tactile, tact, tactical, tactical. There you go. Army, <laughs> hey, army boy, it's called tactical. <laughs> I'm a very tactful army guy. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> or tactile, one of the two. You like touching things. I don't know. I do. Yes. Um, I did uh, submit my Forget About It game. It hasn't been approved yet, ladies and gentlemen, so hey, it's still out there. But if you're a VIG person, you probably already registered for your games, and I don't know if you can get in on that now. Well, I think you're 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 putting that game in so the VIGs can't get in it because you're about the common man, the common I, gamer. I didn't want to say that. You didn't want to say that. But... <laughs> I'm gonna reg- I might put in one more game. I'm thinking about Star Wars D6. That's what I'm playing. But Brett, you you're gonna be doing you're gonna be busy, right? You're gonna be busy. Oh, I don't know what time slot is it, Sean. <laughs> uh, off the grid, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Star Wars D six. I'll let you know in private messages. Oh, I got a pilot. I want to bring to your game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No. So another convention news. Uh, Evercon game submissions are open. Evercon.org, as I've said before. I'm still going to QCC, so that's coming. What? Yeah. When I've is got... the QCC? Oh, good Lord. You know what? September you know, I wish 7th, I... 8th, and 9th. Boom, a voice from no. I was just going to say, if only I had. 
one of the QCC directors on the phone with us right now at this very moment. We could find that out. We had that recorded as an MP3. (laughs) (laughs) Just pushed a button. September 7th, 8th, and 9th. See? Where is that at? Is that in, that's in somewhere, Buffalo, New York. I'll push the other button. Will you? Buffalo, New York. (laughs) (laughs) It's like clear as hell, too. I love it. Very. We should have that guy on the show. We should. Oh, you know. wait a minute. I am on the show. Holy shit. Oh, wait a minute. Is it, are we explicit? Can I actually say that? Oh, fuck yeah, you can. Oh, okay, good. I couldn't remember. I mean, I We're trying to get in the time. game stores after episode 200. Well, so much for that. Thanks, <laughs> well, we, guys. Brought yeah, Sneezy, we brought Chris Sneezak from Mr. Director Mark on the show, and everything went to hell. Oh, that's about right. <laughs> you know how hard it is to sit here and not say anything on a podcast for four and a half minutes? Four and a half minutes I've been waiting to say something. Oh, my God. Just building, building anticipation. Now you know what Brett feels like when the intro plays for 15 seconds. I know. <laughs> it hurts. Right in my soul. If I had Brett, one, it would hurt my soul. You should see, like, video of Brett when we're doing this. It's like his, <laughs> his like, face is getting red. Yeah, and a vein like, that stands right above my left eye. Sweat bad. starts trickling down his face. He's starting to grab the table and shake it. It's true. And then I go... And and welcome to the show. And how about you, Brett? And then he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> he survives. Oh, man. So, Chris, <laughs> you guys. All right. So we just had our 200th episode. This is 201. It's awesome to have you here. How many episodes have you done on Mr. Director Mark so far? Uh, what is it? 318? Holy shit. So we need you to stop for about a year two. so we can catch up to you. That would be two years. Two years. We'd have to stop for two years. <clears throat> oh, that's right. I mean, if you really want to get into it, uh, Misdirected Mark Productions as a as a network um, has released well over a thousand podcasts. So I mean, you know, damn, that's crazy. Yeah, you know, it's a thing. We we do stuff. And Chris but, has I mean, edited each one of those shows. No, no, I haven't. That's actually <laughs> inaccurate. But I have edited probably well over five hundred of them. Good lord. Ugh. So you know, uh, it's not a big deal. By the way, I am for hire for editing purposes if you want to hire me for podcasting. Anyways, uh, thank you guys so much for having me on Gaming MBS, one of the uh, one of what I like to call the brother podcasts of Misdirected Mark Productions. Well, no problem, man. Thank you. And Sean, I said this on episode 200, and I'll say it to your, to your virtual face right now. Yeah, we'll I'll, tell it to <clears> your face. Boom. If uh, you and Phil were super kind, and when you heard about us, you started listening, and then you said some very nice things, and that really helped to boost the listenership and uh, more people listen to us because of what you and Phil said. So thank you very much. Well, it's funny when you listen to the um, the patron list from Gaming and BS and the patron list from Misdirected Mark Productions. Like, it's there's a lot of the same people on them both. It's pretty pretty great, actually. Yeah, the Venn diagram is kind of like a, a ball <laughs> with, like, yeah. some knobbies on the side. That's about it because it's pretty <laughs> much the same group of dudes and ladies, men and women, good groups. Yeah, and then you extend that to Hobbs and Friends of the OSR, yep. and yeah, it's just all of all of those uh, the, those podcasts that everybody's just kind of the same listeners. Oh, Sean, man, how you, Sean? How you been? I haven't talked to you or seen you in forever. I mean, I talk to Brett all the time, so you know. Oh, that's right. Brett's in like uh, online game with you guys. He he is. In fact, we have a really good time. We've been playing that game for like we've been playing campaigns with that group, the Wednesday evening podcast All Stars, for like three years now. I think. Yeah, about that. Wow, has it been that long? Yeah, they don't mm-hmm. make me play Star Wars, so I like them better than you. Well, he left me. He left my Star Wars game for that game. Well, I'm sorry that we're better than you. Wow. Ow. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. I guess I will have to mute Mr. Sneezak <laughs> on occasion. Beep, beep, beep. Well, thank God there's post-production. That's oh, all there we go. <laughs> thank God we're 
Sean is better than me, Chris Stizak. <laughs> well, that sounds really cobbled. What's that about? <laughs> Here, Sean, I'll give you the soundbite that you can put in. We're Sean. I'm sorry that we're that you're better than me, Sean, but we can still have a good time. Look at that. There. Makes it oh. so much easier. See, that there you nicer. go. Working with professionals, man. I mean, I just got to give you the sound bites, right? That's right. What are we talking about today? I know. Where did this go? I have no idea. But for the main topic today, something that's been, um, um, I've been thinking about it for a while. We've talked, Sean and I have talked about low-level play in the past. And um, I know it gets a fair amount of talk in other podcasts, periodically, especially in the OSR space, at least from what I can see, where people will often bemoan, from, from what I hear, oh, I hate being the first level whatever. And I think it's more than just a and d thing. I think it's in a lot of other spaces. I was, I was talking to these two guys off the mics beforehand. One of my uh, one of my gamers has a tendency to, he doesn't hate low-level play. He just wants to be the most powerful thing at the table, regardless of the level. It's just, it's just kind of how some people are. Um, and I think, I think there's some... I want to basically try to better define low-level play and um, kind of bounce it back and forth and see what the, the pluses minuses are and if uh, one of the three of us has a bias one way or the other, if we hate it, like it, or if we only like it for certain things and blah, blah, blah. So I think uh, Chris will bring a level of uh, panache, organization, <laughs> and clarity to this conversation where uh, Sean and I would normally just circle the drain until somebody finally pulled the lever on us. So... A very hairy, sticky drain. Yeah, this is this is a very, very confusing episode of gaming and BS for me. I just want to say because I'm a listener, like there was no random encounter, there wasn't the 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 intro music to the main topic. Oh, just... Yeah, man, it's, I'm telling you, after 200, we're just we're going off the deep end. We don't know I what's just, going on. It's very strange. Um, I'm I'm okay though. I'm 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 calm. I, 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 things are not freaking <laughs> me out too badly. Are you two? Are you two pod people? I'm just checking. <laughs> Oh, all right, Chris. So when we say when I say low level play to you, does that immediately is does that immediately conjure up D and D type stuff to your brain, or what do you, what do you think about when somebody says I don't like low level play? Does that or I like it? What do you what does that do to your brain? What do you think about? Um, so low level play to me is a lot of I think when I think for me it conjures up what a lot of people think of is which is like if you're playing like low level BX or even like first or second level D and D or dungeon crawl classics. where you are doing a funnel. These are characters that are fairly incompetent, very fragile, don't have a lot of ability or skill to their character. So, um, you, you don't have, you don't feel like you have as many options, but you ha- but in order to do anything, you have to be a little bit more, uh, player create, bring some more player creativity to the situation. I think that's kind of where we're go- where I would go with low level play as a definition. Oh, so if I say, hey, we're going to do low-level play, you're like, all right, I better bring my creative juices and really get them rolling here because I'm not going to have all the bonuses, all the extra points or build points or or whatever to have this more powerful person that I'm running. I've got to bring my bring my uh, creative A-game is kind of what you're thinking. That is one of the things. Uh, I will do the Sean P. Kelly and say it kind of depends on the kind of game that you're playing because if you're playing Pathfinder, the rules are much more... Um, comprehensive for what you can and can't do a lot of times on your turn and how the how the sort of physics of that game work so in a pathfinder styled game like you just have to really understand um your limits what you're dealing with try to gather information and not put yourself in bad situations yeah if you've got a game with a really strict action economy combat sequences more very tactical and tactile if you're using minis and so on understanding yeah that totally makes sense i dig that 
So I guess, I mean, to me, like the definition of low-level play, the, the, the definition I gave at first in, in a lot of ways was um, the one that I think that the majority of people throw out there. I think um, low-level play isn't really a good, a good term for defining a kind of play because there is low-level play that is broad, uh, like you're pretty competent to begin with, but you'll broaden your skill set out as you play and level up. And then there's mm -hmm. low level play where you're a scrub and you just don't, you're not very good at things until you level up. That makes sense. Sean, what do you think? When, when I say low level play, what, what does that conjure up in your, in your mind? Um, I think that it has to, I, I think we share some similar views on what low level play is. It's, um, Limited powers, limited um, strength at, at early on. Okay. Because I think strength and the powers grow as you go on. Now, that is specific to level-based systems, right? Not, you know, we may be talking about something else that, that doesn't well, even if you take to. Even if you take, like, Savage Worlds or GURPS, um, they're point-based systems. And you if you start off with a 75 or 110-point character or something in GURPS, you gain character points and improve. I know Savage Worlds has you, you. You start smaller and move your way up there too. Well, I think a majority of RPGs do. They do have an incentive where there is a you, you some type of boon as you play. Not all, but I would say a majority. I would agree with that. It's just about, in my opinion, from a design point of view. Um, are you broadening your skill set? So, like, are you already competent in certain things and then just getting better slowly over the course of time or broadening the things that you're good at? Or are you really not very good? Like, I'm a wizard and I only got one, one or two spells at first level, but by the time I'm seventh level, I can throw a whole bunch of stuff around. Yeah, as opposed to, like, a Knight's Black Agents character with a gumshoe system where you're badass right out of the gate. Yeah, those... See, that's a game where I feel like you don't really... You're not... You're not ever playing at a low level. Like, th that leveling system in that game isn't really a leveling system in that game. It's much like Call of Cthulhu. The, at least, I, I've not read the newer edition, but the original BRP stuff, you can start off with, you know, in the percentile system, fairly decent percentile stats. It's not always that easy to increase them. Either you start out pretty goddamn good. Yeah. Like, um, Dungeon World. I, I like PBTA games. I like Dungeon World a lot. Um, at level one, you're very competent. Like, you can do a lot of stuff. Uh there's a there's a ch a shift in that game to where when you have your one of your stats hits to the point where you have a plus three in it that you are exceptionally competent at using that that um that ability score. So whenever you trigger a move that uses that ability score, you hardly ever fail. But before that, you're still pretty competent. And as you level up in that game, you get more um abilities, but they are broadening your skill set. But you're already pretty competent to begin with. So that's a level based game that you have a low-level area, but you are not a scrub. Yeah, fair. And I think the, the other piece that kind of goes without saying, but if you're <clears throat> when we talk about this type of play style, whether, you, whether you're a scrub or, or whatever we, we want to call it there, there is a way out. There's a way up. Um, I don't know of a game off the top of my head. I'm positive there's one out there where you basically play a scrub and it never goes away. <laughs> you know, like you're just always scrapping. You're a henchman and you'll always be a henchman type of thing. I don't, I can't think of a game that's like that. I'm positive somebody's made one. I mean, uh, I mean, they don't, they're not, I can't think of one for campaign play. Uh, maybe, well, I mean, if you play Paranoia for a period of time, I mean, you only got six clones before you're dead, dead. And you can play that game over the course of levels and get more clearance, but that doesn't usually happen. That game's not designed really to do that. <laughs> yeah, you pretty much die, get blown up and betrayed. Yeah, right? Like, 
Hey, I can't think of a game where you're just kind of like terrible to begin with and you stay terrible and never get better. Uh, maybe, and God, it's been forever since I've read Tune or something like that. But I think it would take a very specific type of emulation, a type of genre, a very specific type of mechanics to make that type of play fun. Because low-level play usually indicates, like, look, I'm starting out at level one, if we're going to use D&D terms, and I'm going to get better as long as I continue to survive and gain experience points. <coughs> Excuse me. So I'm going to get better as I go along. Um, and I think that what bothers some people is they're like, look, I would rather just kind of skip past the, can I just get to hazard class? Could I just get to fifth level <laughs> so I cast a fucking fireball? Can yeah. I just get to that point? I don't want to fight giant rats. I don't want to have to worry about kobolds and giant centipedes biting my leg. Um, can we just move move it along? So can I ask you guys a question? Um, Go for it, man. When we're talking about low-level play, there's like a wide variety of, of, of kinds of low-level play, and part of the conversation is trying to define it. Now, are you looking for the actual low-level play and trying to look at the low-level play where it is you are just not very good at what you do and you have to struggle and survive to get to the point where you are very good at what you do, or are we looking at the, like the whole range? I'm kind of thinking, honestly, when I, when I thought about this, I was thinking about the whole range insofar as without a real without a real good definition throwing out just ideas of what we think it might be and so on and different and if there are multiple ways to look at it that's awesome to think about because when i hear somebody say something like i don't like soda any soda no none oh you don't like cola or you don't like pepsi or what you know we you will hear a thing people have a broad sweeping hyperbole type statement like i don't like any of x when in fact it's an aspect of it and they may not realize that, hey, this other game system has a style of low-level play that is actually quite fun and would hit all the cool little uh, bells and whistles that you actually do like, sir. And uh, why don't you try this one instead? So I think there's more to that statement than what I believe usually is conjured up, at least in my head, is, oh, first level, first level D&D. First level, you know, single die hit points, one spell, or whatever. I, I, I think there's more meat around it than just those than just the limitations perhaps well totally I, rambling but i'm trying well i have a theory then i can posit a theory about how this all works if you'd like go for it man all right so the first part of like figuring out um low level play is where is your low level set as far as power curve goes because there mm -hmm. is the lowest level of power curve where you are zero level characters like in dcc right like and they give you four of them so you can go get funneled out yeah, then, exactly. Then there is the low level of power curve for fate because fate has a leveling system. Like you get more refresh and you get, uh, you can add more abilities and stunts and have more fate points at your disposal and you get more um, pluses to your stats as you like move that uh, move your stat abilities around your your skills around. But you start off very competent, so you are actually a much more pulpy. That's that's the thing about pulp, right? The pulp genre. You have competent characters to begin with. Like Indiana Jones is competent, even right when he starts out. Even young Indiana Jones is competent when he starts right out. Strangely enough, so like uh, that that is the low level though, like for that game, and it is very competent. So like you have to decide where your what is the competency level of your lowest level character like and then you can sort of extrapolate from there like how you want your game to proceed from a design point of view um the other thing is is like when you level up what is actually happening to your character is it gaining more power or is it gaining broader power are they becoming stronger overall or are they gaining more options and that will really tell you kind of how your the low level play in your game works it's a good idea i like that approach sean what are you thinking man all right, so that wraps it up for another episode of Gaming NBS. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. This is this is the kind of stuff that we do. I mean, I'm. No, uh, it's, no, it's fine, man. No, this well, is this is one of the reasons a, to, to talk about. So that has multiple answers and options is get get another opinion. Sean, I'm sorry, I stopped on you. No, I was going to say that I I agree with Chris and how he's looking at it. And and you're right. There's two ways to look at it. I'm I'm thinking who somebody said sent this in right. Who sent this in? Who I can't it recall who it, Somebody brought who it is. One of, the, like, of our listeners. One of our listeners brought it up, and I like have a note that said "listener," and I'm like, "Fuck, who said this?" Is it D- been... DM Kojo? I think might have been. I can't I think remember. It was Kojo. I'm an I think idiot. It, was it could have been Kojo. Well, I think it was Kojo. Punch me next time he sees me. It was Kojo. Kojo, we love you. And <laughs> I think, but now, of course, he didn't define what low level was to him. But I have to say, I have to think because he plays a lot of DCC. I think it has to do with the. And it's not Chris is going into the leveling piece, like where, where, how do you gain power as you progress, uh, breadth versus depth, or whatever you. I'm not going to reframe what Chris just mentioned, but low level play. I think what maybe Kojo or anybody else may be wanting to know more about is: is there a different method of play, and then how? I mean, going back to defining it is, I think. When I think so, I guess when I think of low level play, it's I suck, I can't do shit, and I have to be careful because anything I do could kill me. So if I step on a cow trap, I roll damage, I've got two hit points, you take four. <coughs> shit, shit, I'm done. I'm down. <laughs> I'm down. My character's down. You took four hit points. Yep, I'm down. Yeah, so I think that's the other. That's part of it too. What Chris, what Chris's definition, and when we look at it from a design perspective, say, hey, the game is built to when you go from zero to hero, or however you expand yourself, you're gaining more power in, um, in like a direct curve, a very linear fashion, or it's a broad, the opportunity to say, hey, look, here's a plethora of different things you can grab onto. You could become part wizard, part ranger. You could be learn how to use, you know, high powered space armor, whatever it is you want. Um, that's cool. That's all baked in. And then I th- and that's baked into the, the mechanics and the, the way the game functions. But I think what you're keying in on, Sean, then is the, okay, so we're going to do this. I get it. I know that when I go up a level, I can broaden my skill set, or I could make it go really deep. I could be like the world's greatest blaster man. But what is the, <clears throat> how does that impact how you physically play the game? Because, I mean, if you play DCC and you get into the spirit of a four-person funnel, I mean... <laughs> The judge looks at you and goes, look, they're going to die. And it's pretty much it's set right at the table. Everybody, if you're playing that game and you get into it, you're just going to lose some dudes. Motherfuckers are going to die left, right, and center. This is how it is. Um, <clears throat> but I think if you're playing BX or some of the other game systems, or even even Fate, when you're fairly competent, even in a pulpy game, sometimes at when some people think of starting low level, they think protect, protect. I think that's where you're going, Sean. Like, do I... You know, I'm terrified, and every 10-foot section of the dungeon, to use that analogy, is painstakingly searched because one stray um, shoestring and I slip and fall and my one-hit-point mage is dead type of thing. Well, I uh, I think we should take a look at what Sean said and, and really mm-hmm. focus down on that kind of play. Let's let's talk about low-level play where you are really incompetent and it's you could die at any moment and you don't have a lot of stuff going on. So I think you know, an interesting phrase you, you've used a couple of times is incompetent. And I think that's – when you think zero-level DCC, yeah, you're you're basically a farmer in a dungeon with a pitchfork trying to fight Chaos Beasts. You're fucking incompetent. Uh-huh. And then if you go to, like, early D&D – or a fifth edition D&D first-level characters are tougher than 
old school, very, um, different variations on that theme. Um, but I wouldn't, it's like they're not incompetent because the game is perhaps assumes a certain level of, look, you can always run away, or if it has a balancing mechanic for encounters, the encounters are balanced appropriately. So I don't, it's, it's goofy because I think people feel like they're incompetent when in fact they may not be nearly as incompetent as they think they are. They're definitely fragile. Fragile. Maybe that's a better word for it. Well, I mean, so I think the player, I think the player character may be, or is it the player may be incompetent, <laughs> but the player character may not be? Well, Ego, <laughs> egos are fragile. We have So here's the thing. If, if a die roll can make or break your, your, your life, then the character is fragile. And absolutely, a, absolutely. There's a spot in a lot of games um, where that becomes not a thing, right? Like you can make, you can actually mess up a die roll two or three times before you actually die. Um, I mean, even later in life in, in certain games, like D&D especially, like uh, in the higher levels, there is save or die, right? Like that happens now and again. So like eventually you become fragile again, but, for a, but you have a bunch of different like options at your disposal to get out of that. At low level play in games like DCC and D&D and BX and, um, you know, Stars Without Number, because um, pl- I'm playing that right now too, like a die roll can kill you. That's that, I think that is one of the defining features of the kind of low-level play that Sean is talking about. And then that drives certain players to really husband their character points. Like, look, this isn't going anywhere. <laughs> They're looking at that, that hit point level and saying, hmm, I don't want to get into a die roll scenario because if the dice do go sideways, I'm dead. So I think... Some... I think vulnerability is definitely key. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um, I agree. To go with... I th- I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no go no, ahead, man. No, I was gonna say I don't mind that when I'm playing. I actually like starting at the lowest level and working my way up. Um, as a player, to me, that's much more. It's more interesting to follow the. Even if the character dies, I make a new one or whatever. It's more interesting to me as I develop the character to build the band of brothers and sisters that have gone through whatever it is we've gone through together. Because we started out doing this, you know, as <clears throat> as buck privates, and we work our way forward. Um, as opposed to saying everybody make fifth level characters and and start from there. I like having that in game background stuff that we built together. So I look at it as an opportunity to grab onto those things. But I know some people don't like that. And they've got other mechanisms or tools that they like to use to fast track that stuff. I like low level play um because of, of what you just said, right? It gives you a chance to not necessarily worry about like backstories and things like that and build your character out and build the the things that matter to your character through play, the, the stories that they have eventually. And, and that's what ends up mattering a lot more than anything else. Um, it's, it's one of the things I love about um, certain kinds of OSR style play games because, because of that right there, right? Like um, the other thing that I really like about low level play, especially in OSR style games is that my player creativity and the ideas that I bring to the table, because there's a lot more about rulings than rules can allow me to do neat things that let the game master give me, um, bonuses to my dice rolls before I roll the dice, which lets me like my creativity will give me a better chance of surviving. So then I don't feel, then I feel like at least I'm doing something to give myself a chance to survive. And it's not just necessarily completely up to the dice. Sean, what are you thinking? No, I agree with Chris, man. That's a huge deal with some of the OSR stuff and and the type of play that it facilitates, I think, is a big one that you touched on is the creativity piece. And I now, okay, before Pathfinder people go nuts on me and tell me that I'm completely wrong, 
and I may be wrong, and I'm just stretching this, but I think over time as games have progressed, not all, disclaimer, not all games, but because there is a list of skills, you know, there is some players that will determine whether they can do something by the list that's in front of them. And if it's not a box that's checked, they don't feel compelled that they can do that. They don't feel compelled. They don't feel as though they're competent in doing that. Where yeah, if I have a skill games, that's it doesn't have a plus a plus by I'm like, oh, it has a plus zero, I guess I can't do that. Well or I'm terrible at it and why yeah. should I try to accomplish that when the roguey rogue over there is probably better at it. So if they can't do it, well, surely I can't. Um, but going back to Chris and the creativity piece and having the rules, rulings over rules, I mean, it goes back to, you know, searching a room. We've brought this up on plenty of occasions, Brett. You search a room. Great. What are you doing? Describe me what, where you're looking, how you're looking, what are you looking for? You know, how long are you going to take? And then based on all that information from the player, the DM GM can make a can can provide whatever it is, and it may not even involve a die roll. Or as Chris alluded to, it, they get a bonus on it. Great, awesome. A um, little bit different than I scored an eighteen on my search. What do I find? Yeah, <laughs> one's a little more evocative than the other. Um, I just. I don't like games that I don't like when pe- people play games that way. That's just a me thing, right? Like I don't want to just have the die roll be the die roll and then tell me stuff. Like I I want the narrative because even even if I'm playing, whatever it doesn't matter what I'm playing. I still want the narrative piece to it to go along with the mechanics. You don't need it as much in certain games, but it's cool to have it for me because I like story and um, I like I like role playing games as frameworks for telling stories. But I really like the story parts surrounding the narrative or surrounding the mechanics. That's it's important to me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm all with you, man. Uh, I was running Tomb of Annihilation this past weekend or a couple weeks ago. And I'm running with, I mean, guys I've known for 30-plus years. Mm-hmm. And they haven't played a bunch of 5e. And we're doing 5e. And mm-hmm. sure enough, a buddy of mine looks at me and says, okay, well, I, you know, I search or I, you know, do something. And I said, okay, that's great. Kind of – what do you do? What are you doing to achieve that, what you want to accomplish? I mean, it was like derp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, are you are you just looking around the room? Are you, are you like, actually, like, feeling along the walls? Right. Are you, like, like, feeling for the wind blowing around to see if there's any secret passages? Like, what exactly are you looking for? Like, I mean, are you looking for something gl- glittery and shiny? Like, tell me something. Just give me a right. little bit of something. Well, not only that, but I think with him was, and I even said this, I'm like, what are you, what is your end goal? What are you trying, like, by you telling me this, what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to actually find something? Are you trying to notice something? What is it that you're hoping to do? And I will help you. I'll, like, help you frame it up um, so you, we can kind of work on this collaboratively and then come to mm-hmm. a conclusion, which I think it happens a lot with OSR games. Like, okay, so let me, okay, now we talked it out meta. Now let's frame up the narrative, right? Okay, you're over there and, you know, Brett's character's looking and this is what you see and da-da-da-da-da, whatever, carry on. Right? Yeah, so I think that's part of what we're saying about, like, to go back to low-level play is that if, regardless of the game, if you have a game system that, you're, that your group is playing that you really enjoy and it happens to 
has mechanics that enforce that. Uh huh. That. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes. Now, if you're playing a game that doesn't have mechanics that enforce it, but it's within the spirit of it, which is in the spirit of most OSR games, it's like, look, this is how you play these games, right? At least all the ones I've ever played. Uh-huh. Um, if you're going to play BX, you're going to play even Osric or you know AD and D or whatever. It's it's in the spirit of the game. You're supposed to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> coming back to it, it's imperative that you do that at low level because you don't have the breadth and depth of skill, and you're not you're a little more fragile and all that stuff. So having that thing pulled out, whether the, it has the mechanics that really help you do it, or if you're tacking it in because that's just how the spirit of the game is, it makes low-level play, in, in our opinion, it sounds like, much more enjoyable and exciting because I'm I, as the player, am, am still super engaged. I'm not whacking the shit out of 15, you know, ogres right now. I'm just searching a room with my feeble with my feeble skill set um but i'm doing it through this narrative piece and then i think that when you do that it sets i think it sets a tone for the entire campaign because if that worked there it continues to be a thing that was fun and then when you're fifth level sixth level tenth level whatever in my experience, that continues to flow on. Even if you don't have mechanics that are used for it, it just as the power curve goes up, the players still enjoy the narrative component because that's just how you play. Oh, I, don't, I don't know about that, Brett. You don't? I don't know. I, I, I as a player, have like poop. I, I would poo-poo all over that, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm playing Fightor. Because you're a bad first player, level dude, Fightor. That's your problem. We should talk about this. <laughs> I'm playing Fightor, first level AD&D, or whatever game, Osric. And, yeah, I start kind of being a little bit more trepidatious in the beginning. But, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh level, when people are futzing around with doors, I'm bashing them in. I'm kicking them in. I got 100 hit points. I'm good. Yeah, that's because you're not scared anymore because you don't have to worry about dying from one die roll. That's right. But your descriptive, what I'm saying is your descriptive power is still carried over. You're not, like, just sitting there waiting. Or just trying to figure out a way to roll. You're like, look, I can lean into this because I have an 18 double O strength now, thanks to these gauntlets of ogre power. I'm just gonna knock the fucking door in. Yeah, that's yeah, enough. It's still, it's still descriptive, yep. and you're still using what you have, even though you don't, may not have a skill thing on your chart that says knock the fucking door in. That's I, what I'm I, saying. I would, I would agree with that. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to tell you you're wrong, Sean, because I, I would never do that on your show. But you know, what Brett said is pretty much correct. Well, all right, Brett can be correct, I guess. <laughs> Every once in a while, I can do that. But I get what you're saying, Sean, is that there is <clears> – <throat> so that's the, the interesting piece is that the the style of play can change from trepidatious and a little nervous, really caring for all these <laughs> precious little few hit points or skill points or whatever points I may have. And then as you increase, you've got buckets buckets of those things. Your armor class has improved a great deal. You're like, yeah, fuck it, whatever, knock it down. Now, if we take so that's like a D and D type of example. So so Chris, do you see in a game like Fate? You've run. I've only played uh, Fate Accelerated with you and uh, with Tom Flanagan running Dresden Files. Do you see this a similar type of curve and change in play with Fate? I mean, Fate has different mechanics, right? Yeah. So when, you, mean, when you're when you're low level pulpy, you're still. I mean, how's that? How's that low level play different than like an OSR level play? All right. So this is about designing for genre, right? Um, we're playing. We played Dresden Files. The the game was built for Spirit of the Century. The game was actually built for Dresden Files. So it is modern fantasy, but it's very pulp action. Mm-hmm. That means your low level characters need to be hyper competent because that's what those kinds of characters are like. And and it's not really the, the that they're gonna. I mean, even when they fail, um, 
they're probably not going to die because that's not what that genre does. But for dungeon crawling fantasy games, that was an expected thing, right? Like dying early. So that's why you design those games differently. So it's it's all about mechanical sets for how uh, how to get the the feel that you want out of the play that you that you got there. You, you what's kind of interesting with that is that I have found when you're playing a game that's more what I say, investigation driven, or it's not about crawling through dungeons and fighting giant rats or whatever. There's still a level of I want to get better at this because I'm sick of not being able to find the information I'm looking for, right? So if you're playing a game, you're like, look, I'm trying to smooth talk my way past this. My smooth talk role blows. I'm really sick of failing at this. I can't wait till I get some more character points, which is like a GURPS thing, right? Yeah. I'm waiting to get more points so I can improve this fucking thing because I'm sick of not being able to drive the damn car. Um, and it has may have nothing to do with combat. You're simply wanting to get better at it. You're, you're probably may well be hyper competent in certain things, but because of the genre you're in, you still want to get better at it. Yep. Although a lot of games, especially games that are, that are older in nature that were trying to emulate genres that didn't do it very well, didn't under, <laughs> didn't understand how to, de- how to design for that stuff. Cause they didn't have the tool set yet. Cause it was a new new genre of of game which is i mean i never you, you mentioned investigation we are bringing up all sorts of side tangent problems holy <laughs> lord jesus come on man well, it's it's interesting though because when you when you when you think about low level play all those pieces of it you hear like well low level play is just i just don't like having to fight kobolds so you don't mind low level play in a fake game no because i'm because you're what you're more competent you're more powerful you can beat people up no it's not about be- beating people up there you go so it may not even be that you don't like low-level play. It may be that you don't like low-level play in a certain genre or in a certain rule set. Correct. Right? Like, I mean, a lot of, like, so what do people not like about low-level play? Should we, should we just talk about that now? Like, yeah. that, that actual topic? Sean, what don't you like about low-level play? Because anything I do may hurt me <laughs> really, really bad. Like, kill me d- dead bad. Is that really a problem, though, if you're playing a game that is that is kind of about that? You know, it's not a problem if uh, – because me, I'm okay with a character dying. But I'm not okay with a character dying every couple hours. So, like, then why do we, why do people like playing DCC funnels so much? Because they're well, weird. No, I'm I, kidding. Just <laughs> DCC people. Um, I think because there's a novelty behind it. There's what? Novelty? A, a novelty behind it. I think it's something that takes them back. I think it's – something that they embrace because it's part of that game. And then coming out of that, you have, you know, a character that survived like one out of the four or two out of the four. And that, I mean, it's almost, you know, character generation, honestly. Well, and that's in in this, like I said earlier, you know, the spirit of playing an an old school game like BX or AD&D is like, look, this is how you play this game. DCC dials it up to 11 or 13 and says, look, the whole book is written around, look, I'm totally fucking serious, says Goodman. Try this. It's super fun. Everybody, you get into it. I swear to God, get into it, and you're all going to have fun if you're all on the same page. And you do that, and you will have a goddamn good time playing DCC. Well, growing up, AD&D, I mean, if you, if you would brag if you had a 7th level character. Like, that was an achievement. 8th oh, level, 9th yeah, level. Like, you hit 10th level, like, yeah, I'm 10th level, buddy. Lady, I'm, uh, you know, I, I survived Pharaoh and Ravenloft and Oasis of the White Palm and all this stuff. And yeah, I know my stuff. I'm, I got some, I got some stuff behind me. That, that means either 
your dice were always super hot and you had a cheater d20 or your gm dm judge was not as uh it was not as neutral as they seemed and they were rooting for the player characters a lot more just what's saying he, i've seen i'm talking about over there sean i've played talking about sean i've played insulting me as a player on my own podcast no we're just saying that we've both seen you roll d20s and you're terrible at it oh, that's true that's that's fair that's very fair yes that's i've true. had sean at the table physically roll a die too dude I, really i hate d20 based games because i suck at rolling that stupid die uh, yeah, so I think I think the fragility of it is one thing people hate. The other thing is there is a level of competence that people want to be able to do. They're like, I got this cool background idea. I want to be Fighter, and I want to be like the badass barbarian from the north. Why do I have to wait ten levels to be the badass barbarian from the north? Why can't she just be awesome right out of the gate? Well, that's a cool story. I want to tell that story. And I think some of what slows some folks on the complaints I've heard about is they want to cut to the chase. Where is the chase and how may I cut to it? Because fuck all that. I just want to tell this story because it's more that's what they find more entertaining. They don't want to tell the tale of how they grew up and got there. They're already there and they want to go. That's what's wrong with today's society, Brett. <laughs> Everybody just wants to cut corners. They don't want to work hard and earn their keep and get to 10th level the hard way. They just don't want to do it. They just want to skip over. They want game masters that are like, hey, man, hey, hey, lady, what can we can we start out at 5th level? Because I really don't want to start out at 1st and kill goblins all day. Oh, come on. <laughs> wow, get off Sean's lawn. Come Sorry. on, Chris. Let's back uh, off Sean's lawn real fast. Grumble, grumble, grumble. He's got the shotgun. Let's go. I'm just going to stand there. He can shoot me. It's fine. <laughs> I've insulted him enough today anyway already, so it's cool. I get it. So, Chris, I mean, when, you, when you've heard people bitch about low-level play, what, are, you, are you hearing the same things we're hearing, or what do you, what do you hear? Well, yes, they are saying all those same things. And the reason that they're saying that is because they're not getting, their, they're not getting something out of the game that they want. Their, yep. their expectations are not being met. And that was the problem when people were just like, I want to play D&D. Or whatever, even BX or, or you know, even DCC at, at zero level funnel. But like, and they're like, but I want to play these higher level characters, but I have to play like twenty sessions to get to the where I actually want to play. Like, actually, you don't have to do that. Like, go find a different group, go play a different game. It's okay. I mean, the the low level play is for a specific purpose. Uh, playing through what Sean is talking about serves a specific purpose of achievement in a lot of ways because that's part of the the design of that stuff. Like going from zero to like seventh or eighth level and surviving like he was talking about, there's something to be said for that. That is a cool design aesthetic and it's a fun thing for players to do. But not everybody wants to do that and that's okay. Just don't play that game then. No, exactly. Yeah, it's it's one of those pieces like you do realize. um, Go to drivethroughrpg.com. Uh, usually the affiliate link, of course, and uh, yeah. search for something else because it's out there. <laughs> this is the goal. I, I jokingly say it's the golden age of gaming, but I mean, if you want to play D and D style gaming, but only at highest levels, somebody has made a game that will let you do that, like yeah. right now. So you like, want to be charged. soft. You want to want that softness around you. You know, <laughs> want those those calluses oh. not to come across your little die rolling hands. I got soft little typist hands. I'm an IT guy, man. Hey, man, sometimes I just want to, you know, pick up a gun and two f- and be all two-fisted gunning down Nazis, you know? That's, sometimes I want to do that and not have okay. to worry about playing a first-level character to do that. And then sometimes I want to take my torchbearer and put the pack on my back and go from room to room trying not to trip that trap to kill me. I like it. All right. Okay. 
right. Fine. 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 That's fine. That's fine. I don't see why I have to pick one, Sean. I don't see why I have to pick one. Wow. See, I don't. Apparently, you don't, Chris. You could just have the best of both worlds. (laughs) You just do whatever the hell you want over there in Buffalo. Sean, oh my God, who, who is it? Were you interviewing my mother now? What just happened? <laughs> <laughs> Sean, Sean, you know you know how you get the best of both worlds? You have a strong calendar game. Then you can schedule all your shit. That's all I'm saying. Everybody out there, you want to play more games and have a better time with your life? Have a strong calendar game. And don't worry about playing two-hour games. Also, just go play games with Jason Hobbs if you want to play awesome old-school Renaissance games. He runs some awesome shit. Anyways, um, <laughs> let's, talk well, a, let's talk about making low-level games more fun. So I think one of the pieces, one of the things that we we said earlier, and it does bear repeating, is you know get into the aesthetic. What is the uh, if you're playing a game like an OSR game or a DCC, there's a feel, there is a, a dare I say, a proper way to really get into it. And I think that it it is worth your time to do that thing. Really get into it, even if you're playing um, a GURPS game or a Dresden Files game. You know, like look, I'm not. Harry Dresden yet. Why aren't I Harry Dresden? I want to fucking be Harry Dresden. Well, it takes some time. That's okay, though. Get into it, and um, then you'll have the opportunity to do it. Get into the game, and I think that is, that's the key piece. Don't If you come in with a preconceived notion, um, kind of out of the gate, you're setting yourself up for failure, and I think that's just kind of a mindset thing that people should do. Yes. Sean, what are you thinking? Yeah, sure, man. Yeah, sure, whatever. Bunch yeah, of whatever. pansies. That's what care. you're saying. Bunch of weak, weak, weak sauce blares. <laughs> Sean, Sean's just mad because I came, I came and did a shtick for him. <laughs> Stole my damn thunder, he did. I'm like, it depends, but I actually explained what it depends means. Yeah, we don't like doing oh, that. Small that, details. Small details. Uh, so, um, Chris, if you were, so what, what are you thinking? Uh, that, that can I help answer that? Oh man, how do you enjoy it? I mean, buying into the concept is important. Um, being if you're a if you're a game master or a dungeon master that's running low level games, I think you can make it more enjoyable for yourself and for the players if you are more than willing to like buy into them being creative and giving them the bonuses and whatnot for mm-hmm. being creative because they're still gonna die. And that's just the way it goes. Like, I love me some DCC and that dice chains for how you can be like, well, I'll let you move one up the dice chain. Doesn't matter because you're still going to roll a three and get murdered. But at least you got that die up the dice chain. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, you're rolling a, tw- a D24. Still can't roll a candy shot. No. Candy that shot. Look at that hilarious. shot. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. I, don't know. I like how Chris explained that. Yeah, you can still you can go up the dice chain like this like this little, <laughs> oh, this is gleam of hope in knowing that they're not going to roll worth a shit regardless. Regardless. Oh, D24 still sucks ass. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's, that's that's, to me, that's one of the better ways to make low-level play fun. Um, I think one of the, when you said it's Game Master, that trips the thing in my brain is like, you know, the other piece is, if you're going and the game has a progression built into it, Mm -hmm. allow the progression to occur. I have, um, some people like to do it, you know, by the book, how experience points are awarded by the rules. Um, That's fine. Some people do it. Story based. Um, hey, you hit this narrative point or whatever it is. <clears throat> but if there is, <clears throat> damn it, excuse me. If there, if there's progression involved, keep the progression going. I'm not saying you know wuss out and give them give them levels real fast and just jack the power curve. But if you have a bunch of players who have told you, look, we're going to get into this, but yeah, it'll be cool to go up the zero to hero chain. It'd be cool to find my way to become Harry Dresden. And if every time they turn around, they just haven't ever really improved. That will be a drain. 
So if you're gonna, if the players are bought in, they're gonna do this thing with you. It is incumbent on you to then help them move along the chain as they can go up. You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't have to be rocket fast, but they need to move. Uh, the other thing I would do to make low level play more fun and enjoyable is to not run weak ass adventures. See Dungeon Crawl Classics. They write awesome stuff for low-level characters. Yeah, they do. There are cool things to do. Do not have your stupid cave with your three kobolds in a room and have them fight them. Get a little bit more clever. Put it in a weird location. Have weird stuff going on. Like, um... Heck, even, like, the second-level adventure. There's, like, a second-level adventure that the guys are playing right now, uh, Phil and the boys, uh, for DCC. It's, like, the the Emerald, the, the Lair of the Emerald Mage or something like that. It's like a, Oh, the Emerald Enchanter. Yeah, the, the Emerald Enchanter. Holy Lord, it sounds like, a, like this weird time travel craziness that's going on inside of this dungeon. And, like, that's the kind of stuff that makes... Um, it doesn't matter if you're playing low-level or high-level. It's just cool, then, right? Like... Yeah, it's, it's that whole concept of, Sean, I've talked about this before, like, it's not just giant, it's not just a rust monster, it's a rust monster that eats flesh, right? It's something different. And all the crazy cool shit can still happen, and you just take the scale down to touch, and you you need to have fun things. If you're playing weak-ass adventures, there where they go in, it's a 10 by 10 room, there's an orc guarding a pie, um, <clears throat> that's fun and all, but after a while, you need, you know, that, that gets really boring. Two of those, for nostalgia's sake, cute, but, you know, five dungeons worth of those, not so cute. So I totally get what you're saying. Make sure that there's plenty, and there's a shit ton of good examples out there. Even if you don't want to go as Gonzo as DCC, you've got um, like Borrow Maze and some of the other cool stuff that are out there for the OSR. And a positive, there's other cool adventures for other games out there too. I mean, Operation Unfathomable. Um, man, there's. Uh, I mean, if you want to get really, really brutal, I mean, this is a little bit higher than first level. Maybe the first level stuff is there. No, I think App and Rathuk is still pretty high level even to start with. I mean, there's a, there's a whole thing right at the very beginning that will just murder everybody. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty great, actually. <laughs> it's like one of the things that a lot of people don't like realize about me that listen to Mr. Rick and Mark all the time. Like, I actually like all the, the big mega dungeon type things. Like, they're pretty hilarious watching people, seeing all the, the crazy murder everybody stuff that goes into them. It's, it's a lot of fun, really, Instant to read that stuff. Instant super tetanus. That's all I gotta say. Instant super Instant tetanus. super tetanus. I'm, I'm more interested in the, like, oh, look, it's the first room. We're getting attacked by gargoyles, and the ceiling's about to crush us. Oh, and I just found the mechanism, but it just got covered up by the ceiling, so we're, there's no way for us to survive. Yeah. And don't mind the Zorn that's chewing in your knees. God damn yeah. it! <laughs> <sighs> Those are such fun games to run. So, Sean, what would you if you want to have fun as a player or a game master with low level play? Do you have any tips or tricks? Or are you just too too mm, angry? Are you just too angry? I don't know about if I have it. Yeah, I don't know if I have any necessarily uh, ones that I'd whip out of my pocket. But I do think that if you 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 have to help the players be more creative. Going back to Chris and what you were saying, you you know, hey, you guys, got a bag of flour? What do I need a bag of flour for? Hey, you got a 10-foot pole? What am I going to need a 10-foot pole for? I mean, some people have played and come from those adventures, and some haven't. Like, there's a good generation now that's playing consistent D&D that they haven't witnessed some of that stuff. Marbles. Like, what do I need marbles for? Super useful. Find out which way the slope of the you know the ground's going and which way you're going and underneath the dungeon. So I think it's just facilitating some of those... You know, fostering a lot more creativity in the approach and not out to get them necessarily, even though some of those, like what Chris mentioned, you're like in a freaking passageway in the <laughs> room's falling, there's gargoyles eating you. Yeah. Now, 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 to be fair, that wouldn't have happened until they failed the die roll. Yeah. <laughs> then then they'd be dead. 
And they only would have failed if they hadn't done something creative to get enough boons to actually help them. Well, they still might have failed even then. That's the whole point of those games. still roll a one. It's true. Yeah. But I get your point, though, Sean. I mean, it's one of those things where they're like, well, I want to search the room. What die do I roll? You can say, well, let's talk about that because I can give you a bonus. You're going to roll a wisdom or less. But what are you trying to do? If you give me a good description, I might be able to give you a bonus on that. Oh, I got a bonus. Metagamey, but you're helping coach them along as they go if they've not done this type of thing before. And even in, um, I remember playing uh, Dresden Files with Tom. There's a couple times I talked to him, like, I'm like, all right, I want to do a thing. I have no idea how to do this because I know I don't have this much power. Tom, like, no, no, actually, you're pretty good. And Chris, like, no, you can do this, this, and this. Just tie these two things together, and off you go. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But you know, I I've been gaming for a long time, but there's still plenty of different ways to, as you learn new systems and stuff, ask the group, like, I want to make this really cool. How do I do that thing as a player and as game master? help coach them along and drag them into that space and say, Hey guys, look, you know, this is, this is the thing you could do that would give you a bonus. If nothing else, a carrot and stick, <laughs> you know, as a, as a, let's bring up another point about how to make low level play more fun and enjoyable as a player. If you understand the rules set, then you can play the game more effectively and that will help you at lower levels. Like it'll help you at all levels, but it really does make lower level play a lot more fun too. When you can actually use the rules to play the game of, eff- uh, efficiently, effectively, you know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about. Like, there is some level of skill to this stuff. You watch some people playing. You, you played a lot of Fourth Edition D and D, and I play Pathfinder. And you watch guys who play very tactical games, men and women who do that with the grid. And they got the minis, and if they know that system, they it doesn't fucking matter if you're playing first level, zero level. They're like, okay, I know how this works. Da 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 da. You know, two hops, one of these distance weapon, reach, boom boom boom, flanking, whack whack whack. You know, and the ogre's dead. Like, holy shit, how'd you do that? I know the rules. Mm-hmm. That's a very tactical example, but if you understand how magic works in the game or how you do X, Y, and Z, then, yeah, that's a very good point. If you figure that out, that really helps. That rule mastery of a certain level will definitely help the play. Oh, man, and that kind of stuff, it, it feeds both ways, too. So if the players and the game master, dungeon master, are all kind of on the same level of, of rules mastery and rules understanding, then those games flow a lot better, too. And it doesn't even have to be about the... Because you're not you're never really arguing about rules, then, because everybody understands, like, well, the game master gets to make the rulings, right? And then the players get to get to do try to do cool things, and the game master will just be the judge. That's why you keep away from the adversarial style of play especially at low levels in my opinion like that i mean being more of a judge if you want that kind of um like roguelike death at any turn kind of play in a game then um then then being a judge and a a pretty as neutral as you can be judge generally works a lot better because it facilitates that that style better um and then of course the the rules mastery lets things flow better fair enough sean you got any last pointers uh, no, but you can also, going through establishing some of those things that Brett mentioned and getting boons, you can establish those in house rules, which we haven't yep. gotten into at all, but, you know, tweaks and con- social contract by saying, hey, this is the game we want to play, this is the game we want to facilitate. If you come up with creative ways to overcome things, your chances of overcoming them probably are going to be better because I'm going to give you a little bonus here or there, So, just so everybody's aware of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. clarity up front so people yeah. get it. They grok it. They can they can roll with it then. Yeah, setting expectations helps a lot. Totally. Yeah. Oh, shall we move on, man? I thought that was pretty good. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. Yeah. Sorry that I, like, you know, bagged on you, Sean, but, you know, it's fun to do. <laughs> oh, that, hey, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, let's die roll it up. Die roll. Two to four miscellaneous... 
things we want to talk about and bring to your attention. Womp, womp, Brett has zero. Yeah, I was too busy gaming this weekend, Sean. I didn't have time to find die rolls. Well, hey, then uh, you get a pass. Congratulations. Thank you. Yep. Thank Wait, you. Good job. I get yep. a no prize. That's Sean. the only way you get out of this is if you're gaming, Brett. So That's keep that keep that in mind for the next 200. Oh, shit. Okay, got it. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll start. Uh, Dave Hanlon was interested to know what Brett thought of Invisible Sun. So he wrote in, and then he said something about, because I do a podcast. And I said, well, that's great, Dave. What's your <laughs> what's your podcast? Because he didn't pimp it out when he wrote us. So if you are interested in Invisible Sun by Monty Cook Games, and you want to know a little bit more details about that, uh, Dave and his crew uh, over there, uh, Incantations podcast. Like they're they've got like forty episodes, I think. Um, forty nine. So forty nine. Yeah. So check the, that's as of this dropping date. So, you know, if you hear this a year from now, you might even have more. So check that out. Uh, and my second one, two thousand eighteen nominees for board game of the year. So I saw this article on Ars Technica. We don't do a ton of board games here, but if you are a board gamer and uh, listen to us. You want to check those out and see if your opinions align with those that are up for those nominations. Or if you're interested in checking out some games that got some pretty good PR, there you go. And then lastly for me for the week, uh, Alternative Art for 5e Core Books was tweeted and teased by at Jason uh, TDNDDM on Twitter. Brett, have you seen these? Yes, I have the new. They're going to release the five E core books with a GM screen and slipcase. There'll be a standard one, a slipcase, yeah, and then a really kick ass looking slipcase. And a kick ass looking slipcase looks really kick ass. So, do you? Uh, are you gonna? Are you gonna splurge? I want them. I want them. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Chris, are you? Are you gonna? Have you seen those? Uh, I'm looking at them right now. They're gorgeous. I love yeah. the monster manual and the dungeon master's guide. Um, I mean, they they got that uh that black matte background with like. A uh, one's got a lich, one's got a fire giant with a skull helmet on it, and one's got a beholder on it, and they're uh, they're just gorgeous. You should take a look at them. Yeah, I mean, if you take if you're if you've seen these Anathar, the special editions that they've done of other ones, it's very much in that vein, I think. Yeah, Mordenkainen so, and Xanathar's yeah. matte, the matte special edition matte matte black or the matte type. Yeah, and the the standard player's handbook has a fire giant on it. The standard DM's guide has a Sarak on it, and so on. So makes that's sense. That's what Chris just said. I know. It's just I'm just saying it's really cool. They took the they took the key pieces off of those and translated it over in this in this slick art. So I like this. This is neat. Uh, yeah. You were talking that thing you were talking about before the uh, the 2018 nominees for a board game of the year, the, the Spiel des Jahres. Um, there's a game on there called Azul. That game is amazing. If anybody gets a chance to play it, go play it. It's this tile um, mosaic building game and it's just really clever engine building sort of uh like market management kind of game and i got to play it with mo tusano the canadian god of gaming at uh, origins and it's wonderful so get your hands on it if you can nice look at that little endorsement all right so chris we- you guys you guys are doing something what's going on there's something and coda's got something cooking what do you got what if i talk about that last Sure, go for it, man. Cool. Get the other stuff. Uh, a couple of Kickstarters I just want to throw out there. Um, Over the Edge, I playtested this game with some some folks. Uh, it, it's an amazing game. It's kickstarting right now. It's it's a new version of Over Over the Edge. I really like the rules. There's a very I don't know if this rule stick stuck with the game because I haven't like seen the new version of it yet. But um, the thing is, is like you just tell the characters kind of what the players kind of what's going on during play at times. Like you just 
give information away for free and you can frame it in interesting ways. So like when we were playing it, like it was like I would let the players know, not the characters, like players know information by like framing shots from like um, like a weird person like looking at them through like a, a, a screen like a, you would see in a TV show and like saying something obscure that would give the players a clue but not their characters and they would have to figure out a way to u- utilize that later and figure it out for their characters but there's like a mechanism in the game for that so it's, it's a really clever clever implementation of um, over the edge now this is by Jonathan Tweet for so for those of you that don't know who Jonathan Tweet is he was actually on the 3 0 uh player's handbook Monty was on the DM yes. guide he was on the player's handbook i believe yeah he was in, and he did the original over the edge he's done a lot yeah. of different stuff over the years the, the reality is is that tweet and cook and um whoever else was on that team which is slipping my mind they actually wrote all three of those books together like they all did all that work together it's yep. just that they all they all happen to have their names on different ones and then cam banks is also involved with this i believe right yeah, because it's an Atlas Games product, and Cam Banks mm-hmm. works for Atlas. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, Zombie World, a card-based tabletop RPG of zombie horror. Uh, the only reason I mention it is because it's a Mark Diaz Truman game, and Mark Diaz Truman's an excellent designer, so this will not be the zombie game that you think it is. Uh, it uses cards to help set up things. It's got um, it was, Part of the game is about trust. Because you can't always trust everybody that's in your in your space uh, with you that's sharing your your like little homestead or whatever it's called, and you keep your cards that are your, like your secrets and whatnot face down in front of you, so you know what they are, but everybody else doesn't. And eventually, you can turn them over or share them if you want to, and they have like a mechanical effect when you do that. So there's a lot of stuff like that going on. Nice. So that's pretty pretty slick mechanism in a game that I haven't really seen too much of before. Um, I also run a convention called the Queen City Conquest. Brett will be there. It's from September 7th to the 9th. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, I'm hoping Brett will put some games on the schedule at some point in the near future. Yes, I got to do that. I am so sorry. <laughs> I, I'm pulling a Sean Kelly. I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. Ah, oh, fuck, I got to do that. Uh, if you want to come and game with me, if you're a, a fan of Mr. Rector Mark Productions or, you know, gaming and BS and you want to come hang out with me and Brett, uh, we'll be there. I'm running a Monster of the Week game that is nine hours long. It's basically two slots. Uh, we're going to take a little break in the middle, but it's like a, a, my version of a long con. It'll tell a whole complete story um there's one spot left in that game as of right now so if you want to play that game with me and some really cool folks from misdirected mark uh that i've seen already signed up for it you should do that and then the last thing i want to talk about for uh, for a hot second um i am a member of encoded designs it's a publishing company and we are kickstarting our first game it's called iron edda it is a norse epic action game where you are defending your homestead your holdfast from threats from within and without uh, the the idea is Ragnarok has occurred, and Ragnarok is the dwarves, these dwarves from below, coming to the surface in these giant metal mech machine things and just destroying everything. And your best weapon to fend that off is that you were given the magic, some of you were given the magic, to take your um, souls and bond them with dead giants, and then you can summon their bones to become the flaming heart of these dead giants to fight back and defend your holdfast. There are also other things that you can be, like rune scribe, where you have runes of power that you can use to fight. Um, Scalds, where you are basically the badass bard, Brett Bardigan, which you can see that around. Um, also, you know, uh, there's even a, use the mantle system, which they're called Destinies from Dresden Files Accelerate. It's a fake game. And uh, it's got a lot of cool stuff in it. Like the, the destinies are all these cool classes. They're very powerful right up front. There's even one called the farmer. And you'd be surprised. Like the farmer's pretty badass. The way that they can leverage their land to do things and get what they need. Uh, nice. 
Yeah, it's kind of crazy when I read that because I'm the developer on the game. I, so I developed all the rules, uh, made this game flow a little bit better. Uh, those those things were like I'm like this is this is hot stuff, and I've heard this stuff and seen it in playtesting too. I'm like this is it's really impressive how powerful some of these early abilities are. Everybody's got some stuff that can do some pretty um, game changing things. Uh, one of the other mechanisms in the game is the the hold fast mechanics where you you um roll some fate dice to randomize questions that then you answer that help build out the problems that are assaulting your holdfast. And as you do that, you actually take a piece of paper and draw out your little map. So every time you answer one of these questions that becomes a problem or an issue that's with your holdfast, you draw it actually in and around your holdfast. You have like a, this physical representation of what's going on. And I really like those mechanisms a lot. And there's 108 different questions, so there's a lot of different randomization that can happen with that. And of course, if you don't want to randomize it, you can just pick the questions that you want. And they range from political intrigue type things, because, you know, one of the things is the uh, you can be the Jarl, or a leader of your holdfast, and, like, deal with the po internal politics. And then, of course, there's the outside stuff, like, oh, look, there's a Dwarven Destroyer, which is basically a giant 50-foot metal mech marching its way towards your holdfast. What do you do? So that's Ironetta. It's fate. It's going to be on Kickstarter starting uh, the day that this podcast drops. So you can go back it as soon as you hear this. And, Sweet. Uh, it's our first Kickstarter, but we're we're being real smart about it. We don't have a huge um, goal. I think you only we only need to reach three thousand to fund. And um, the, you guys did. You guys did though. You guys did. Um... Uh, Part-time Gods of Fate is a Kickstarter, too. That was through Aloy and Third Eye Games. This is actually <laughs> That's just... That's right. This is just you guys. This is Encoded Design's first actual Kickstarter project. And we're fulfilling through drive-thru, so, like, we're not super good at that part yet, so we're just going to have drive-thru print all the books and fulfill them to you. Nice. Chris, how long do you guys plan on running that Kickstarter for? It'll be for 30 days. It's very cool. Yeah, so just so everybody knows when this drops... On the 25th, that's when the Kickstarter will kick off and then go until the August 25th. Mm -hmm. right. Nice. Uh, thank you for giving me some time to talk about that. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, no problem, man. Did you guys have any questions about it? So my, my question is, am I next after that one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, everybody. Selfish, selfishly. So oh, so here's the thing. Like We're, print, we're printing. We're going to publish um, The Streets of Avalon. Uh, that's, that is Brett's. Uh, I would call it his uh, his do it yourselfish um, setting for uh, the, for his city of Avalon, which I love quite a bit. It is already on the schedule. I can tell Brett for sure. Uh, now we are kickstarting this in December. Nice. Okay. So Ooh. if you want to all get Brett a Christmas present, which we'll talk about it later, and maybe I'll come back on the show and we'll have Brett on on this directed mark to talk about Avalon and stuff. You can get Brett a, Brett a Christmas present by kickstarting his product, his book. Make him feel really good about himself. I need that after this year, the Kelly crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Brett, oh. needs, Brett needs to pick me up, and Miles will be his Kickstarter. Exactly. Something's <laughs> got to kick me. Thing, thing I want so bad on the cover is a uh, a lamplighter. Yes. Yeah, we need one. That's going to be right on the cover, a lamplighter. Lighting a lamp. Cool. Uh, I feel like that is the most Avalon thing ever, and if you don't know what a lamplighter is, email Brett and ask him. Hey, yeah, I'll tell you. Or, you know, just go listen to the Streets of Avalon podcast. Oh, you'll learn there, too. Well, excellent. Cool. Yeah, very good stuff. Chris, where can people find more of you, more of Encoded, more of Misdirected Mark? I know there's all kinds of channels. and Yeah, the best place is on Twitter, at Misdirected Mark. That is the, the network Twitter. It's also the show, Misdirected Mark Podcast Twitter. 
Um, but all of the all of our shows pop up on there. A lot of our announcements pop up on there. Um, anything from Encoded generally gets retweeted by Misdirected Mark on Twitter. If you if you don't like Twitter, uh, we have a G Plus community. Um, if you don't like G Plus, we have a Facebook page. Um, if you don't like that, and you just want to go to Twitch. We're live every Tuesday at 8:45 Eastern uh, at Chris MMP. So it's Twitch.tv backslash Chris MMP. So there you go. Those are the best places to get us on the internet. Also, you and can just go to the the website, misdirectedmark.com. I was going to say, you've got that, podcatchers out there for all that good craziness, too. So oh, yeah. All, all good. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me on. I, I, I had a really great time. I uh, I miss I miss you guys. Like I, I mean, I get to hang out with Brett all the time, but I haven't seen you, Sean, in like forever. So. Well, I'm glad you could stop by, man, and make time to come on the show for sure. Absolutely. I hope you'll have me back sometime. Absolutely. Yeah, what are you doing uh, next week and the week after? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to kick this other guy to the curb. Well, uh, next, week, next week I can't be on because I have a game that evening. I'm running Monster of the Week. But the week after that, I'd be happy to come back. We're already running into schedule conflicts with Mr. Steve Zach. Man, this guy. Uh, every so, other week. If, if you want to make me a regular thing, then I'll come every other week. No problem. <laughs> yeah, amongst, you need another podcast, like another hole in your head. <laughs> well, this one I don't have to do anything with except show up and talk. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's <laughs> a little true. bit easier. That's fair. That's true. We haven't been doing that for 200 episodes. It's a sweet oh. gig. It's a sweet gig. <laughs> Jesus. Well, all right. Well, thanks so much, Chris, again, for being on the show. Always a pleasure. Say hi to all the folks back at Encoded and Misdirected Mark. I will. I will, absolutely. Right. Um, and I will wrap this up and say uh, thanks for tuning in. This has been an episode of Game and BS. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.